What's going on, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. And today we have a guest on with us who was like semi-retired from the Star Wars game, but then every now and then pops up a little bit on their show. And you, you sort of realize that spirit of, even in their news segments, you think you're out, but they pull you back in. You're never really out. And today I'm the thing that's pulling this person back in. This is a friend of the show, a friend of many in the Star Wars space. You, might, you may have swarmed this person for a pin at a celebration. Perhaps you were part of a big mob. Uh, we have writer, director, host, you may have seen their horror short film recently. They wrote and directed Kick, doing the festival circuits, as well as a comic book writer as well with Infinite Bros, a comic that I have here in my collection somewhere that I should probably sort through at some point. Uh, this is the host of the Black Series Rebels, a show about the shit they love. It's Alex Backus. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? I'm How's not gonna going to lie, dude. I feel really, you, you've really pumped me up. I feel so pumped feel up good? after that intro. Yeah, feel good? I feel like a boxer. <laughs> like when you're like, he was in semi-retirement. Now he's back to talk Star Wars. I'm like the, I'm like the guy that comes back and just gets the shit kicked out of him right oh, when he comes yeah. back into the ring. <laughs> it's the beginning of Logan when they're like, I'm going to step on your hands yeah. and, yeah, yeah. and like, like bash your head through it. It's the, the, doing the whole. It's just bleeding, just yeah. blood everywhere. They're like, I thought he was supposed to heal. And they're like, no, yeah. we're killing him in this one. <laughs> they're like, it's done. Well, thanks um, for having me, man. I'm stoked to talk Star Wars. Like, just because we stopped talking about it on BSR doesn't mean we we don't love it. We just, you know, wanted to. We've been talking about it for four straight years. It felt no, like course. the 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 right time to sort of branch out, and I'm sure we'll get into all the reasons why we decided to do that. But yeah, man, I'm stoked. Like, I know we're in a bit of a down period, although tomorrow is my birthday, and we're getting the the old school Clone Wars on Disney Plus. So Ooh, Kathleen Kennedy is. called me and said, for your birthday, we're putting the Ewoks movies on Disney Plus. So congratulations. And you were Great. like, can I, can I have the cartoon too? And she said, oh, fine, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll like, give let it me to get, you. Let me get all the, the junk. Just put all the junk. And she's like, all right, great. Yeah, well, we'll hook you up with the junk. Matt, poor Matt Martin will have to answer 9,000 questions about whether or not they're canon again. And- oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I, yeah, it just honestly, just, just leave the man alone. If you're listening to this, just, <laughs> just stop it. Just stop it. He's uh, a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. He really does. Like he does. That guy answers every question as best as he can. He's one of the nicest people on the planet. So. I've seen him answer some, some doozies. Like oh, uh, I've yeah. seen him answer like, is the, what was it? Is the, is it a spice crate or a fuel canister from rebels? Like was the animation asset the inspiration for the animation asset in fallen order. And was there a connection between the way that those two things were drawn and designed and everything? And he like went into it and I was like, damn, I was like, are you on a bus right now? Like with time to kill or something? Like, are you on a train? Like what's going I'd on? Be, I would genuinely be curious to hear that answer. Cause it's probably yes. Yeah. They probably have them. some sort of like stock. Um, you know, when, when, we call them like assets or whatever, right? Mm. I guarantee you ILM just has piles of assets from all this stuff. Although I don't know if ILM, did ILM do the animation for Rebels in Clone Wars? I don't don't think think so. They might have a hand in some stuff, you know, but it just feels like, yeah, that might've been the Filoni side of things sort of has its own. Yeah, I'm sure there, I I mean, listen, the amount of detail and work that goes into anything like that. I can't imagine that stuff gets overlooked, but also it's like this weird, 
yes, they take it that seriously, but also they don't take it as seriously as fans. It's this weird balance, I feel like. And, and Matt Martin strikes it uh, pretty well. He's a, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and striking that balance is something that we're definitely going to talk about. You know, like we're, we're joking about that older content showing up. I have this now idea of a teenager now or somebody that got into it with like Force Awakens being like more Star Wars stories, legacy, and then watching that stuff and being like, the fuck? Like, what, what's going on? I think, it would be, I think it's going to be good for some people to see a less serious uh, side. The truth of the matter is, and listen, the reason let's get let's cut right to the fat here. Let's just charge head first. <laughs> I know. Listen, those of you that don't listen to Black Series Rebels and you're already like this guy's annoying. He's brash. He's a bro. I hear you. I understand. Just know that what I'm about to say, I say with love. I love Star Wars more than almost anything. It's like my lovely wife, my 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 dearly departed captain, the dog, writing, directing, and then Star Wars floats like right there. And what I'll say is the beauty of Star Wars is that you don't have to like all of it. It doesn't have to all be meant for you. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Alden. It doesn't belong to anyone. The only people it belongs to are the actual creatives that make it. And guess what? It doesn't really belong to them either. It belongs to Disney. So when I think about like people getting on them, like, what is this? I just go, well, yeah, of course. I mean, I love the Ewok movie. I absolutely, I mean, it was, it's one of my earliest Star Wars memories. I can fully understand why someone doesn't think the battle for Endor is a good movie. Like it's not going to stress me out. I think it's what makes it great is that it is unabashedly what it is and you just have to appreciate it. It's the same thing with the Clone Wars. Like Steve can't handle them. He doesn't like the Clone Wars. He's tried over and over i've seen every episode i think it's cool i think it's super fun like more star wars but i also know that when the clone wars came out i was like 19 i like just moved to los angeles i wasn't intaking star wars like that as much it really what re really revitalized my love for the franchise was the disney acquisition i went oh well, if they do what they're doing with Marvel, holy shit, this is going to be like the most amazing. This is everything I've ever wanted. A Star Wars movie every year. And I just think if people take a step back and just kind of appreciate how much fun Star Wars content there is, you actually can really find something you love in almost all of it. Like even if yeah. you think the Ewoks is dumb, it's funny. Just enjoy it for what it is that it's campy and silly or if you think Jar Jar is the greatest, great. If you think Jar Jar is lame, whatever. Just take everything in stride. It should be fun. It, like George always says, right? It's for 12-year-olds. So when you comb through Disney Plus and you click on the legacy content, just remember that was for a 12-year-old in the 80s. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have they didn't have smartphones and they didn't have supercomputers in their pockets yep. so that they could plug in and they couldn't stream all nine episodes of Star Wars from the computer that they keep in their pocket. They were able to watch these weird made-for-TV Ewok movies. And at the time, I guarantee you, it was just as impactful for a child in the 80s as seeing The Force Awakens was for a child in this new era. So... For me, I'm very much a 
as long as you're not racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, as long as you're not any of those things, you know, I think at all points of view on Star Wars are welcome. Those types of points of views, get the fuck out. That's not, there's no place for that, at least in my Star Wars universe. And I'm sure the same here yep. on Octo Radio. When I think about like, you know, people getting frustrated about like whether or not they like, if, if they have real grievances about The Last Jedi, I'm like, whatever. Cool, man. <laughs> like We always jokingly go, cool, man. Like, that's what we say. Like, it's not about... I love it. I think it's an amazing movie. The more I think about it, it might be my favorite Star Wars movie. And that's a scary thought because it's like, oh man, is it really going to surpass some of those movies that meant so much yeah. to me? But like, I have the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch Force Awakens and I go, nah, this, this, is, this is my favorite of the new ones. Then I watch Last Jedi. I go, no, no way. Last Jedi for sure. Right. And here's a perfect example. In my mind, in my space and existence, I know this will, uh, <laughs> Nikki's going to be like, oh God, he's going there. Like, <laughs> I'm not the biggest uh, Rise of Skywalker guy. Like, not for me at all. Like, I, it just wasn't for me. I'm not going to go into it. No need to bring like my negative opinion on this, but I just sat and watched it and I went, oh yeah, I mean, not, not for me but you didn't see me. I didn't need to rage and post a ton of crap about how much I hated it. It just was like, yeah, whatever. I remember we had one and this was actually a huge reason why we transitioned out of star Wars is like, we had one episode where for the first time, truly the first time Steve and I were like, yeah, it wasn't for us. And people got really upset. They got really upset with us. Like we got a lot of messages that were like, how dare you? Wow. How dare you say that? One guy said, I'm, he like blocked us. He sent us emails. He was so angry that we didn't like the movie. And I just kind of went, I, I don't know what to do for you, man. Like my opinion on a thing is means so little in the grand scheme of thing. And I think any creative that makes podcasts or is in this fan space that talks about other people's art, like, with the exception of like film critics, whose job it is quite literally to critique, but like we're we like fan podcasts are in this weird nebulous space, mm -hmm. right? And I think that really the, their best purpose served is positivity. If it gets into this weird clickbaity negative thing, it truly is just a waste of noise because it doesn't do anything, like. The only example I can think of where like aggressive fan, like a, a coordinated fan effort worked is the Snyder cut. That's the only time I can really think where I go, Oh, and even then I personally think Warner brothers should have been like, don't do that. It sets a bad precedent. Right. Oh, I, absolutely agreed. Like, like not, yeah. Like just to dive into that for a second, I go so far and I don't think I've ever said this on the air, maybe once I go so far into that belief that I take it even one step further back from the Snyder cut confirmation, I go to Sonic the Hedgehog when they bullied those animators into changing the Sonic design, which I'm not saying the original Sonic design <laughs> was better. It wasn't. They did end up delivering the accurate Sonic design, but I just had this idea of like, fuck them release the toothy weirdo Sonic, like that entitlement. And so it, that made me so sort of, weird. Yeah. It's so crazy to me how much people think this stuff belongs to them. Mm -hmm. And trust me, man, I am not immune to it. I no. do it too, man. I, yeah. I, I, I find myself going, 
Uh, Ray low. And then I have to catch myself and go, dude, stop. Like, just stop. You're being a grumpy 35 year old white dude. Like chill, like just take a step back, breathe and remember your philosophy, which is that this is for everybody. And I think if you do that, if you tr- like consistently kind of check your own entitlement, you're just going to enjoy fandom a lot more. And that's why when all is said and done, we kind of decided like, I remember there was a moment where Steve said to me, I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. And I said, we should stop talking about it then. Because it's ruining, it's not, we're not accomplishing what we want to accomplish. Like, if, mm. if talking about it, like, every day and, like, dissecting it and breaking it down doesn't serve your fandom. For us, it was like, no. And we took a step back. And then I remember, like, two months ago, he wrote me, Bro, I just finished watching all nine. Had a great time. And that to me is more important than whether or not we got the quickest hot take out on, you know, what yeah. the what the what the acolyte could be on Disney Plus. You know, I'm sure it's gonna be great. I'll watch it. I'll watch it when everybody else watches it and I'll love it. We'll talk about it. But the the obsessive like entitlement of fandom was just kind of the thing that pushed us off of it. You know, and what's interesting is that, you know, you talk about those listeners that got upset that you didn't like this movie I, I can remember incidents like that happening with like early you know sites that i used to either write for like early youtube stuff i did like back in high school i remember some youtubers that i liked saying that uh dark knight rises was kind of like that point for them where they were like oh, i didn't really like this as much as dark knight and batman begins and then all of a sudden the hate came in and so i've always thought about that and it's almost like for those people and again, like you can't never defending, you know, hateful bullshit messages that are, are legitimate bullying and harassment. But for those people, I think the psychology might be like, they think like, oh, Alex, Steve and Cisco are like my guys, like they're like my friends in this. Yeah. And they take your negativity as like, as a blow toward like the, the parasocial friend group that they've made with you. Like, oh, does Alex not like this thing that we share? But it's almost like that's the weird thing about content creation is that you don't share it with them. You do and you don't. You, who you share it with are your co-hosts and the people you're talking with. But then it's like, you know, that's, that's with our own podcast and with our own shows, we experience sort of what like, you know, your, your Ryan Johnson's and your JJ's and all of them experience with. You put it out there and it becomes communal in ways you want and ways you don't want. And it's just this weird time where now you know you see someone tweet like you know you you guys do these great episodes for people that don't know on, on black series rebels bsr there's the midnight movie club episodes which are you know these great deep dives into these different films and they span all different kinds of films and you know the royal tenenbaums was a recent one that had a lot of love and passion from all three members of the show and i'm sure that if somebody you know if you were scrolling through twitter and someone was like the royal tenenbaums sucks you know what a piece of garbage you would have that like uh, sort of like gut reaction and yeah. i know i have that with things i love too but then it's like wait like who am i defending am i defending wes anderson like am i defending is it is it me like do, do i feel betrayed by this person like does it does it because i'm imparting myself into the art it's all very weird and i'm sure someone out there with like a phd has been able to break it oh, down oh i'm you know you you hit on something interesting uh you said like there's this like communal thing right? Where they feel like, oh, I'm in the Black Series Rebels Club, which is true. Like we want people, 
we actually say like, you're a rebel, I'm a rebel. Like we talk about it as if, are you a black series rebel? Like we're anyone who listens to our show is a black series rebel in, in the, in the way we think about listeners. But what's really interesting about that is if you're, if your good friend didn't like something, you wouldn't walk up to their face and scream at them. There, there's this clear, like it's, it has to do with people on the internet. And this is also like, we're not going to open this can of worms. I'm just, I'm watching that QAnon doc on, (laughs) on HBO. We're not going to get into it. I promise. But like, there's something about people who only see what they want to see, Mm -hmm. right? Like if if you are unable to like, just take a step back and kind of reemerge. Like I jokingly, I would tweet this all the time on black. When we, when we still tweet, we don't even tweet anymore. I don't know if you've noticed, but like all we ever do is share a show and stop because we just were like, we don't like what this is making us. Like we're not, we're not here to be hot take machines. I am not here to be snarky. I'm just here to enjoy things that I like. And that's that. But I always used to say, if you ever want a gut check on whether or not what's happening in star Wars is important. Go explain it to a coworker or your significant other. That's the truest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's, All you have to do. Yeah. Just tell them I would sit down with my wife I'm like, Oh, you know, this, that, this, that. And she'd be like, Oh, okay. And instantly I was like, you're right. It's not important and mm-hmm. move on. And I think if more people and some people bless them, don't have access. I understand there are folks that are, that are lonelier and maybe a little more plugged in to these online communities and they are a safe haven and a beautiful place. I would just remember to encourage you that still it's not real life. No matter how important those relationships on Twitter, they're still try to have a more profound connection. DM people. Don't like, don't, what is it? Quote tweeting where like you quote them and you throw yeah. shade like that stuff. Like, I always, when we truly, whenever we would hurt someone, whenever I would say something snarky and someone would tweet me and be like, you know, you're a dick, like, fuck you. I always really did try to DM and say, Hey, I'm always operating from this place of snark. I'm so sorry that I, what I said was offensive. I'm going to delete it and that'll be that. And I hope, and usually it would get squashed and we would have like a real conversation about it. I remember at celebration you know we made those rebo stickers Mm. totally as a joke with ray hugging max rebo and it was like and when we posted it everyone thought it was super funny and it blew up but then of course like a couple folks were like those guys make fun of raylo on their show they're making fun of raylo and it was like well yeah we are but we're doing it in this like funny sticker way like right it's not like it's not like we don't think that like Raylo fandom should exist. It totally should. It absolutely should. It should be as prevalent and as beautiful as you want to make your content, but also just, I'm going to make a Max Rebo sticker and, and have a laugh about it. And what I love about this moment in Chicago is there were like six or seven pretty prevalent Raylos. I think one of their names was Jessica. I think I'm pretty sure Jessica was one of them. And they came up and they said, can we have your Raybo sticker? And then they kind of proceeded to Josh us a little bit for like dogging on Raylo. Like they mm-hmm. kind of started making fun of us. And Steve and I couldn't stop laughing. 
We thought it was the funniest thing ever that they were ripping on us. And then we became like fast friends. And that was yeah. like the end of it, you know? So I think, I think it's really about making real connections with people right. and people will understand that like there are, what is the phrase? Like there are, there are multitudes to people. Like mm -hmm. everybody has things that make them special and different and beautiful. And that's really weird and profound to talk about in star Wars. But I think sometimes people forget that like we talk a lot on our show about chemistry and this will loop back around to the Disney plus stuff. Like the chemistry of a child in 1987, watching the Ewoks or return of the Jedi for the first time. Right. Um, you have to take a step back and think about the chemistry of that moment. No cell phones, no Twitter, no podcast talking about it day in, day out, day in, day out to the lead up of the movie. Yeah. And they have this spiritual experience as a child. And that goes for prequel lovers. That goes for sequel trilogy lovers. You have a spiritual connection with that content because the chemistry was just right. The AC was perfect in the theater. The music, the, the, the sound was dialed in perfectly. You know, the popcorn wasn't too salty. The guy wasn't munching on fucking milk duds next to you, smacking his, everything. All of the chemistry was perfect. And like, I think it's just really important for people to step back and remember that everybody, while we are the same chemistry, the chemistry is different in all of our lives when we intake this content and we have different feelings and different approaches about it. And like I said, as long as you make that space available to everybody, as long as they're not racist, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic, then I think you build a really beautiful, powerful community. And I think Star Wars can do that. I really do think Star Wars fans are capable of that. It's just a matter of not being so precious with the content itself and just enjoying it for what it is. And I think that's a big reason why, I mean, we'll get into this, you know, later when we talk about like some, some nitty gritty directorial stuff and, and film stuff, but you know, Luke and Yoda by the tree pass on what you've learned. Also failure, also these things, like it's not about you. And that's when, you know, that was a big moment for me in terms of realizing that it belongs to, you know, my mom's generation and, and it belongs to the next generation. And, all of these these themes that are so Star Wars in the story, but also on the meta level, why George always says that. And you talk about, you know, the child, the child's chemistry of that era that George was so tuned into. And, you know, with that, that Campbell stuff and all everything that he was tapping into, even like, you know, the American graffiti of it all of like teens, you know, on an adventure, or, you know, at that coming of age time. Like if we remember more of that stuff of why this works, you know, and, and why, why it works in other things that, you know, people don't get as angry about, you know, like, like they do with star Wars, like a miles Morales type character or, or, you know, you go over to even something that's, you know, uh, maybe a little bit over, but like, you know, things like hunger games or Harry Potter that were like huge in the two thousands, like all those coming of age, all those themes, you know, rising up together, friendship, found family, all that stuff that can be us too, which is, you know, something that I love about, BSR. It's something that I love about a lot of our friends in the space, you know, uh, Imperial Senate, uh, Force Center, you know, all these, these shows. Uh, it, it really is, it's humbling when you think about how big it is, about how universal it is. And, and, it, and it's also humorous. You know, I talked to uh, Nikki, our friend the other day, uh, we say Nikki, Nikki from Imperial Senate. Uh, we were talking about how, you know, imagine Twitter after Empire Strikes Back, you know, talking about Yoda saying there is another like how that would have just ruined 
Yeah. It would have just annihilated the third act of that movie because of over analysis. And so much of Star Wars, you know, every movie has its let go moment. No matter if it's your favorite or your least favorite, they all have that moment of let go. And it's because that's what it's asking of us. And I think that that's a big, big, you know, it's no, it's no surprise that the, the most, uh, salacious moment in the last Jedi is the one that forces the fandom to confront their own mortality and their addiction to their own icons and idols and heroes. Like that is quite literally the movie going like this to you. Like, are you gonna, (laughs) you gonna, you gonna take what we're saying to you? And I remember like, I saw the first guest we had on our show after watching the last Jedi was Alex Rubens. And we saw it together in the theater and we both walked out of the theater the first time and Rubens was like, hated it. <laughs> like hated it. I was like, Oh man, I, I thought it was cool. Like, I don't know that I loved it, but I thought it was cool, man. Like I was real casual about it. Kind of loved it, but also was still a little like I had to piss through the whole third act of the first time yeah. I watched that movie. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'm good. And I always see it right after. So I just turned right back around, walked right into the theater and then we left and I was like, I think that movie's good. And Room's like, yeah, I think that, I, I think I liked it more. I don't know. And then the next day he called me, he's like, that movie's brilliant. And let me tell you why. And he just ripped it apart. And he's like, that's why this movie's so good. And he just went beat by beat. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's why that movie is so good. And we felt the same way about Force Awakens. Him and I saw that movie together so many times. And it, you know, it's, it's all about your own again, personal chemistry. Like what, where were you at in that moment? Like I have a lot of really good friends that were like, we had MERS on uh, for a Star Wars episode. And we are like, yeah. what's your, what's your, what's your least favorite Star Wars movie? He was like, keep a positive. And he, and dude, he went at last Jedi hard, hard. Dude. Oh yeah, I was he like, did. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I, I looked at Steve. I was like, ah, shit, are we going to have to cut this out? And I'm like, nah, fuck that. Leave it in. Who cares? Like, so what? He didn't like the movie. Who cares? It's not saying anything offensive. He just didn't like it. No big no, deal. No, it was great. I mean, and, and again, we'll we'll link uh, BSR down below. I do encourage everybody to go check that one out because it's such a good balance of of the philosophical and the spiritual, but also just like like I rewound when I rewind a podcast to hear a guest sentence again. I yeah. rewound the podcast to hear Mers <laughs> describe Ray's uh, what did she say? Tamala Pakwa or something? Oh, Tamala Pakwa. Yeah, yeah. When he's <laughs> like, favorite line. Put, put that droid down, I'll beat your ass. So it's yeah, like, yeah. that's, I, I want, put that droid down or I'll beat your ass on a shirt. Yeah, it just, yeah, it, it, and it shows again, like the variety of perspectives. And for people that go back in BSR, I mean, there's a hundred or so episodes. I think a hundred almost exactly. There are a hundred. We stopped at a hundred. Yeah. Where the Star Wars like, only episodes. There's, yeah. you know, people that have been on this show. There's people that you may have never even heard of. There's, you know, all manner of creatives. I mean, there are some some really, really great people that have that have gone through the old BSR studio to share their Star Wars stories and all of them really emphasizing, you know, you guys do that questionnaire at the end, which I love because I'm such an inside the actor studio fan. <laughs> like I was, yeah, it was I, a riff on that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I always watched that as a kid. You know, what is your favorite curse word? Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've always admired, you know, rest in peace Lipton for being just an incredible interviewer and all of those stories that people would give, you know, through those, you know, 10 or so questions really does emphasize what you're saying, which I guess is a good way to sort of ask you, I mean, you've dived into it a little bit on, on your show. You've taken, you've taken us on a journey in your show, different aspects. You know, you tell a great story on BSR 
about your mom getting you, you know, figures and then mm-hmm. sort of like doing a little bit of like Han Lando, like under the table, like, all right, mm-hmm. buddy, like, let me get my son some action figures and yeah. talked about how it was important to you and your family. So take me back to those stories, those times, your first time seeing it. How does this become a part of your life? And then when are you saying, oh, I want to be like those people that made this? So that's a great question. And this is actually, I'm going to, people are going to get, this is like a reboot of the first episode of BSR because we did this, I think, on the very first episode. So my first memory of Star Wars was actually toys. It wasn't the movie. It was the Micro Machine line Mm. from the early 90s. And this is the only reason. I loved toys as a kid. I was a little conniving little, how can I trick my, what can I do? What dishes can I wash? What lawn can I mow? What laundry can I fold to get a ride to Toys R Us to pick up some toys? I was always like, it really was like my mom, I remember one time she came down and I had made her this terrible breakfast at like age seven. I was like, I made her like an Eggo with like cereal. And I was like, ah. that's awesome. I was like, mother, some breakfast. And she's like, what do you want? Like She like knew instantly, like he's trying to do chores to get an action figure. And I remember Toys R Us or Target in Northern, that's where I grew up, Northern California. And I I remember seeing the Star Wars micro machines Mm. and I knew my dad loved Star Wars. So I thought if my dad likes this, this must be cool and maybe he'll get it for me. (laughs) So I was like, dad, I want this. And he was like, so Star Wars, huh? And he like thought about it for a second. He was like, it's not Ninja Turtles. He loved Ghostbusters, but like Ninja Turtles weren't his thing. Those were very kiddie mm-hmm. in the 80s. Ghostbusters was my first real love as a kid was the real Ghostbusters. And I remember he just went, yeah, yeah. If you like Star Wars, yeah, let's give it a shot. And we got, I remember it was like a Millennium Falcon, an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter, like a little three pack. And I went home and I just couldn't get enough of them. I thought they were the coolest thing. And he said, well, if you got the toys, let's watch the movie. So we probably went, I think we probably went to Blockbuster on the way home and we rented the first movie. We just rented just Star Wars. We didn't rent the trilogy and instantly like loved it. Loved it, watched it, juke, 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 juke over and over again, you know, returned it to Blockbuster. And then in that maybe like two week period, we flew to Arizona and I was going to stay with my grandmother for like, three weeks. My parents both worked nine to five jobs where they had lots of business trips, lots of traveling. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother in Arizona Mm. when I was younger because she could watch me for chunks of time in the summer. Right. And I said, I like star Wars and the kid there, Max, like the kid who lived next door, who like, you know, just some neighborhood kid, like, Oh, you guys are friends now. Cause you're on the same street and you're both in a retirement community. You got nobody to talk to. So now you're friends. Max is like, thank God he's back. Max is like, Alex is back. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Alex is back. Hey guys. Max is just like, I've been playing P knuckle for the last six months in this retirement community. He's got fucking, you know, those wrapped up little candies. Yeah. Yeah. Max is like dressed in like Brooks brothers. He's like, I'm old man. I don't know what to do. Uh, and no Max's mom. I remember her. She said, well, do you know who Darth Vader is? And I went, no, he's the bad guy. I don't know. She says, yo, you've never seen the second one? 
And I remember just in that moment going, there's fucking two of these things. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, she's like, I'll do you one better, little buddy. <laughs> He's like, just wait. He there's finds three, out there's like three of these things. <laughs> so it's like 1993. We're just like, actually, it was probably 94. Hmm. Or, or it was like late 90, summer of 93 into 94. I don't know. Like right around that time. I was like, like seven or eight when I got really into Star Wars. And she drove, went to a blockbuster, came home, and like Empire Strikes Back, instantly, I was just like, this is, uh, why do I like this so much? I don't know why. I couldn't understand the chemistry mm. in the moment. It was the micro, my, my grandmother used to microwave potato chips, like to have them be warm. And uh, I just remember, I remember the warm potato chip, like eating that and watching Hoth, like that, like, Oh, like, what is this story? Oh my God, that's Luke. Oh, they're here. Oh, it's Han. Wait, Han's leaving? Oh, Leia. Leia and Han are really like, they're friends now. Like, oh, they, do they like each other? Like just all the new dynamics, just really kind of wrapping my brain around it. And then watching Return of the Jedi and I was hooked ever since then. And then I, you know, I fell out of my love of Star Wars, probably like in maybe like sixth grade and then the prequels came out and i got obsessed again for all three prequels and then after a revenge of the sith i was like I, I had moved to la i was you know i was a working actor down here that's where i moved here to be an actor originally uh but i'm no good at it so i switched to something i'm better at <laughs> and uh i it was like once the prequels ended i was like okay i think i'm I'm good. And like, I stopped buying Star Wars stuff and kind of unplugged from it and went and found art films and cinema and all kinds of crap that I could watch that just really expanded my palette. Cause the truth is more than I love Star Wars, I love movies, right? I love movies more than anything. And that love really was developed by two things. It was, there was a Christmas where I got the power of the force two figures where I got like buffed out Luke and buffed out Han those like buffed out figures. I remember I got like the set of those for Christmas and I took the family camcorder and I went into the laundry machine and turned on all the lights and lit them with flashlights Oh, that's and, awesome. and, and tried to like light it right. like to make it like, I don't know what I was trying to do. I just know that I wanted it dark because I thought, Ooh, dark is like this thing that you can achieve in star Wars, like yeah. you can see people, but they're in the dark. Like something about that was really kind of entrancing. Very like Bespin type. Yeah. And things just kind of messing around with flashlights and toys and a camera. And they were, it was terrible. And I didn't even know, I probably didn't even know why I was doing it at the time. Like, I'm not like one of these people that was like, I picked up a camera and I knew I was going to be a director. <laughs> You know, my uncle works and worked in the film industry when I was younger. So he, his name's Michael Backus. He doesn't work in the film. He's, he's long since out of the film industry when I moved down here. He's actually now California's preeminent expert in medical cannabis. So if you'd like to buy his book, it's for sale on Amazon. What a legend. He's a legend, bro. He's a legend. He's a total legend. But he, he basically, I don't know if you remember these books. They might even publish pablo hidalgo's like visual dictionaries is it dk yeah dk so yeah, dk they still got 
remember DK used to come out with those books. The one would be called like rocks and it's like just fucking rocks or like dinosaurs, just fucking dinosaurs. They had one that was called movies and he got it for me. I think because my parents were a little like, I was like eight, nine, didn't really like sports. I, I played, I, it was before I'd gotten into ice hockey. So that was just kind of a kid who messed around with toys. Like I just didn't have like, I think they were, my parents were probably nervous. Uh Oh, do we have a kid that like, doesn't like anything just movies? Yeah. But I think my dad called my uncle and said, Hey, I think he really loves movies. Like, I think they're a big thing to him. And I'm just assuming I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they called my uncle and my uncle said, let me go to the store. Let me find him a couple of things that I think he might like to read that are about movies. And he got me. One of the things was that DK, how movies are made like a movie magic book. And that book was everything to me. It was fucking everything. I very vividly remember they had an ET puppet with the face off and like you could see all the inner workings. And I just remember that sticking with me, seeing the camera, seeing the, the boom operator, the, the, the marker, like all just those little things. I just remember going, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, I just knew it. It, 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 it. And from then on, it was, I want to work in Hollywood. And it started acting because I moved here. I was a professional improviser. I worked for a company called The Second City. I did comedy. I toured and did all kinds of shit. I was sketch writer. And I made my living as a commercial actor for years. Loved it. But I, well, I didn't love it. I, it paid the bills. Like it was, it was always like, I don't feel like I'm scratching right. the itch that I felt opening that book. And I right? think there's a difference, you know, just to analyze what you said for a second. I think there's, you know, when you said loved it, no, I didn't love it. I think that there's a distinction between like, am I loving what I'm creating or am I loving the fact that I can eat and live in entertainment and media. And I think that those are, you can allow yourself sort of both. Like people ask me like, do you love working in radio? I used to work in rock radio and now I work doing, uh, it's a a throwback nineties station because now the nineties are old. And, uh, and you know, we've got like, we got Britney and Justin and all this stuff every hour and stuff like that. And people are like, Oh, that's such fun music. Like, do you love working in radio? And I'm like, I can't say that I've made, the thing that I love, but I do love the fact that I'm lucky enough to work in entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is an interesting thing to, to reconcile, but continue on with. Well, there's a, there's a thing, right? There's like, and this goes into much more, I've talked with Ken Knapsack on his podcast about stuff like this. And it's like, and this goes into how star Wars fans communicate with the creators and the writers and the people that work in this, but like, for, for, for creative people, the creativity is the money. Like for truly creative people, the act of doing it is all they need. And that is how I feel. I mean, obviously I need money to live. Like I need money to live. That's the thing. I get it. Yeah. But the real, the real mojo, the real energy comes from the collaboration, from the creating. It comes from, right? Right before I hop on this call with you, it's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I just got this cut in. I got it. I got it. Like, I can't unplug from it because I know that I desperately, I desperately just want to engage with this, this thing that I'm nurturing into existence. It's important to me to, to plug into it, to connect to it, to surround myself with it. 
So like, I always felt like I was a commercial actor who was doing something to make money. Hmm. And that was it. And my beautiful, talented, way out of my league wife, girlfriend at the time, she just said, man, you have so many ideas. Why are you not, like, why are you not pursuing them? And I didn't have a good answer other than the fact that I was scared to do it. Or I didn't think that I was a funny writer. Like I was like, I'm not a writer. And I'm not in, in full transparency. I have a writing partner. His name's Josh. He plays George Lucas. Whenever we do BSR, that's my actual writing partner that I oh, then I've met him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Josh is my writing partner. He is everything that I can't do. He does incredible. And everything that I love to do, he's like, I don't care about that. So there's like a, there's like a ebb and flow. There's a yin and yang to that yeah. creative relationship. And it really took me confronting my, my desires to be a writer and be a director and just sort of say, Alex, what is it you want, right? What, what, it, where, where, what is it you want to do? And I just kind of started writing sketches and stories and comics and just trying shit out. And I stumbled onto this idea. This would be in uh, 20, 2013, maybe. Uh, it was a, at the time, it was a comic strip. So it was a comic strip about a little guy who lives with a little shark roommate called Shark Bites. And I had a lot of fun writing this comic strip with my buddy, Cody, who designs all our pins. I also, too, I work with the same, like, 15 people. I, I really love to collaborate with the same like-minded people. Oh, that's not like that Kevin Smith, you know, build your little, you know, your yep. village, you know, yep. build your tribe. That's exactly. And Cody is Cody's chieftain of that fucking thing. He's the one who makes it all run beautifully, right? Like all I can do is say out loud what I'm thinking, but he really kind of visualizes everything in such a beautiful way. And we, I posted a sketch, I posted a little comic strip on facebook at the time because facebook was the shit in like 2013 right it was the shit twitter wasn't barely a thing at the time and this guy reached out and he said hey i think uh your comic strip's really cool have you ever thought about doing it as a like a like a television thing and i said i guess i haven't and we took this meeting with this company called mosaic which at the time was owned by apatow and will ferrell i think it still is and this guy was like, we love it, but like, you guys aren't famous. You have to write the pilot. Like, we're not going to buy this if you don't write a pilot. Right. <laughs> and we went, I said, oh shit, I, I guess I'll write a pilot. Never touched screenwriting software in my life. Taught myself how to do it. And long story short, after two years of grinding all over LA, we sold it to Disney. And Disney bought it. And we were in development for a year and a half. And it never went. It never went to series. But the real joy of it was creating it and getting it to a place where it was this like special, beautiful thing that came really from my soul. It really is like the projects that come from my soul are really special to me. Like Shark Bites is one of those things. BSR really comes from my soul, which is why it's so hard when people are mad at it. Like it really hurts Steve and I because we take it really seriously. It doesn't yeah. seem like we do, but we've like take it really seriously. And you know, infinite bros. It's just this thing that I started feeling that I wasn't getting with acting. And I was, and I, and I, 
there was a, and this was just writing. I wasn't even directing yet. And my wife wrote a web series and I said to her, uh, you know, one of my, which is true. My new year's resolution this year is to try to direct something. Could I direct an episode of your web series just to try, like get a really good DP that will fix it if I screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Surround me. Like, with get, I was like, surround me with people that are super talented. So if I fuck up, it's still good. She went, yeah, no problem. Let's give it a shot. And instantly as I was doing it, I, I finished up and she came in to our bedroom or the living room after everybody had left, after we had wrapped up shooting the short. And she just said, you're a, you're a director, dude you're not an actor, you're a director. And like any good creative, I resisted it and I was scared of it and I didn't want to do it. And then Steve told me the same thing. It's like, dude, you're a director, man. Why, why just be a director. And I meditated and talked to my therapist and really thought about it. And it's a scary thing, dude, to do something for, I was acting for 12 years, yeah. 12, 13 years. And I felt like a failure. Like I'm going to, people are going to think that I'm quitting acting because I, because I can't do it. And the truth is I was doing just fine at it, but I wasn't enjoying it. And our dog passed away uh, the same night I saw the rise of Skywalker, which chemistry people, chemistry. Oh. What was I just saying about chemistry? What, what movie did I say? I don't like chemistry. Like, I was not at a place to absorb that movie. And I, I probably never will be because that was traumatic. Like I remember I, I w was at the Disney lot. I watched it with Steve. Uh, and then afterwards, like we got Bob's big boy with Matt Martin and Amanda Jean. We talked about the movie. We were kind of breaking it down. And I got this text that was like, Hey, you, you need to come home. Like something's weird with captain. And I rushed home instantly could tell. Do you know the toy photography uh, guy, Work More or Less? Yeah. On Instagram? Yeah. Work More or Less was staying at my house that night because he oh, went wow. to the premiere as Hasbro's guest. And he texted me. He was like, hey, dude, your dog's acting kind of weird. Came home. I was like, Jason, I'm so sorry. I have to take him to the vet. Took him to the vet, put him down that night, came home, passed out, woke up, probably cried for five straight days, recorded a live show at Flappers, about it. Everyone got super pissed off at me and was like, fuck you for ripping on Rise of Skywalker. And I went, I'm done. We went to Tokyo. And then I was in Tokyo with my wife as we were just grieving the loss of our dog. We're like, fuck it. We're going to, we're getting out of LA. This is all pre COVID. And I just said, I'm done acting. I don't want to do anything else any longer. That doesn't make me happy. I'm going to be a director and be a writer director. And I'd already directed at that point, but this was like a real professional like proclamation of it, right? Like to right. say, I no longer am this, I am this is very hard for me. I don't know how other creative people feel about it, but I have pretty bad imposter syndrome. So, and then I got back from Tokyo and I wrote my buddy and I said, Hey, I'm a writer director now. Uh, let me know if you guys want to, if you guys have any live action pitches. And he said, you know, we just got one in for this company, PUBG. They're looking for four live action spots. If you want to write up a treatment, I'll send it to him. So I wrote up a treatment. Next day, PUBG called. We're in. 
And then I went right to work and I haven't stopped since been just writing and directing and just in the zone. All yeah. of that is so, I mean, like uh, it just hearing the, the journey is so um, spiritual in a way, you know, spiritual in, in the sense that is without, you know, people listening, you know, I, I, I know the listener base that I have. So I know that they understand what I mean by that <laughs> spirituality without dogma spirituality. That's like the sense of self, you know, which comes through um, on BSR, but, you know, hearing you talk about sort of these personal experiences, like as a listener and like as someone, you know, we've known each other online, I, I witnessed, you know, from the sidelines sort of, you know, the passing of Captain and, and just the, yeah. you know, and, and sort of like these things and, and, and the trip to Japan, but hearing it all strung together as a narrative with, you know, with, with your wife, Sarah and Steve, sort of being these, these voices and other people, you know, saying like, you can do this thing, you can do this, this thing is so uh, just, again, Campbellian. Like, it's just so like finding yourself and, and how it's not too late to find yourself and how- It's never too late to decide what you want to yourself. Do. Yes, exactly. And like, even if you've done one thing, it doesn't mean you're going to be stuck doing that one thing and how there are different lessons and, you know, and how- and and just you know for pe for for our pet lovers and everybody that's listening, how sometimes it's those those nonverbal just wonderful creatures that like sort of send like these lessons, you know, and and which again is also very very fantasy and just very. Um, and here's the here's the wild thing, right? Like, and this is I don't know that I've talked about this on a show, but I we got Captain, we got that dog because Disney didn't pick up shark bites to go to series and it was so difficult for me wow to to like i really was like like i said it was like a piece of my soul i put my soul into the stuff that i create to a fault man to a fault like i take it fucking personally man and we sarah was like i think we should get a dog man you seem She's like, I think we should get a dog. You, you seem like you need a, a buddy. And we went and rescued this adorable little dachshund from Dachshund Rescue LA. And I mean, it, you're right. It, it's absolutely like, it's like poetry. It rhymes. He passes away. And I was able to say out loud for the first time, no, I'm this. It was like a weird gift that that little guy gave me. And I'm fucking super grateful for it. And a lot of people, man, I'm lucky to have people in my life that, support me like steve a lot of people don't if you listen to some bsr like steve is this is the truth about black series rebels and we don't talk i think i've talked about this a little bit on ken but like alex and steve on that show are kind of characters hmm. right they're a little wayne's worldy they're a little intense same with cisco cisco's closer to himself but still a little bit like he's still kind of hams it up but steve and i very specifically like we turn it up when we're on the show we intentionally try to like we're improvisers we like to make people laugh we joke we have a good time we're always trying to make each other laugh but the truth of the matter is is like steve is a very well-spoken talented fucking producer who works on huge huge documentary series on tv he's yeah. insanely talented but he does our show because he likes talking about pop culture with me like we're just best friends that we wanted to make a show with two best friends and that's kind of what the show turned into and cisco started behind the camera and then as cisco and i became much closer 
I kind of said, Cisco, I think you should just now be on the show like full time. And we have incorporated him in. And I think that thinking about Sarah and Steve and the people in my life that have pushed me to get to where I am, like that's 90% of it, man. If not a hundred percent of it, it's, it's people that are, have your best interest. And there are people in the star Wars community, like Ken Knapsack that I would turn to like for anything. And I believe that they would be there. There are a lot of them. There are a lot of really, really amazingly cool down to earth grounded people. And it kind of took BSR stepping out of it to like really appreciate it in a weird way. And we were like, okay, cool. Those are like lifelong friends and all the people we were really worried about impressing before, you know, this, I mean this with respect. It's like, they're not important. Right. Right. It's not important. It's what's important is that we love what we do and that we, the people that listen to it, love it. And as long as we keep enjoying this, it's worth our time and BSR is a huge reason why I am where I am, right? Like the place where we used to tape our show was right near where I, where I'm working now. And there's like, all of that is it all like we shot PUBG across the street from the closet where That's we used funny. to tape PUBG, where we used to tape the podcast because we knew there were these huge standing sets there. And one day Steve and I just walked over there and we were like, dude, we could do something here. Right. And then I wrote, the PUBG thing, knowing that location was there. I wrote it. I was like, Oh, look at this. I'll puzzle piece this motherfucker. You'll save so much money and wrote it all around this like one location. So there's all, there's all kinds of like little things that all this stuff leads up to. And you have to be open to receiving it. And I'm not the most open guy. I require therapy. Yeah. I require quiet. I require medicinal, <laughs> items at night uh to open my mind to relax me and i i think that you know and i, I also too I, I hate talking about myself so please know that like this is there's a pain there's a painfulness to this as i do it but like you know just anyone who's listening there that maybe was like oh i'm gonna listen to how this guy became a writer director i would just say just do it just do it and trust your voice and the best piece of advice i ever got when being a writer director was stay in the vision. Don't worry about all the bullshit, just stay in your vision. And since then I've applied that philosophy to everything. It's why BSR stopped tweeting. It's why we only post promotional stuff. We stay in the vision, the vision of the podcast. It's not about, it's not about engaging. There are, there are much better spoken people, Charlie Ashby, Nikki, you folks that I implicitly trust to carry thy banner of star wars <laughs> talk you know my voice is needed if i want it to be there but it's not necessary yeah. and coming to that place of acceptance i think really helped bsr just be all about the vision and the creative so all those little things i guess tie into where i'm at maybe a little bit if that makes sense no um, it totally does and, and again like you know there are and first of all i mean just again you know, you don't like talking about yourself. Uh, not, not to say like, oh, it sounds like you do, but also just like, <laughs> you know, your, your openness is, is very um, just inspiring in terms of, I know a lot of people that might be listening, people that are maybe in our, you know, in our sort of age group, you know, these are obviously very tough times, you know, that sense of self and just that, you know, sort of awareness is, 
is important to see. You know, I think that with a lot of the art that's come out of sort of the COVID era, it's, you know, it's very, a lot of it is a comedic spin on sort of isolation or, you know, or, or you know, it can have sort of that sensitivity, something like, uh, something like WandaVision, you know, force a lot of us to, to confront sort of grief, you know, it after a year of devastation. And so I think that for people listening, you know, it's just, it's really cool to hear sort of that story and sort of how you've sort of come to this place. And, you know, there, I'm sure that there are some people that are listening that are like, how are these two assholes going to tie this all into Star Wars? Well, I'll tell you <laughs> how. I'll tell you how. Trust uh, me, you've got enough Star Wars. If you're listening to this, I true. know you've had enough. You, it's you, true. You could use a break. <laughs> it's ab- it's absolutely true. We'll get, we're going to be doing the Bad Batch and all that stuff. Like, just relax a second. Uh, we're talking about creativity. <laughs> let's um, talk about Star Wars. What do you want to talk about? Let's well, talk you know, about some creativity in Star what's Wars. What's interesting, though, is, you know, uh, tying directly out of that, you know, it doesn't even, it's not even, it's one thought. It's one conversation because as you were wrapping up there, you know, you said stay in the vision. My brain immediately went, your focus determines your reality. Mm-hmm. It immediately went to Qui-Gon Jinn. It immediately, because that's just how my brain translates everything, Ooh. especially when I'm doing <laughs> some guy. Uh, he's the, the, the Taken guy. This is what he oh, did before Taken. Yeah. Okay. And, Understood. Taken yeah, guy. Yeah. Got it. Copy, yeah. copy, copy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, just sort of that, that mentality that is so George. And I think that we got to talk about the George of it all. Um, especially, you know, talking to a writer, director, and and someone who has, as we've established, a circle of creatives around him, literally living with one, <laughs> wed to one, mm-hmm. uh, another creator. How has the George Lucas sort of punk rock, fuck you spirit imbued itself into your work, your life, into what you do? And And you can also even say, it hasn't, or you can also even say it's complicated because George and systems, there's a little bit of irony there in terms of where he ended up in life and how powerful he ended up being. So how has that sort of uh, played into your, your process at all? Well, it's everything to my process. I mean, quite literally, it's everything, right? And I think you say the word punk rock because punk rock is like one of my true loves. Like, I love it. I it's everything like musically. It's everything to me. It was a huge part of my life growing up um, from crappy pop punk to East Bay hardcore. Like there's a lot of that stuff. I just absolutely love and adore. I still listen to it, you know, every day. When I think about George, I actually don't think punk rock. I'll say that about it, but when I really take a step back and what I think George did so well is he didn't ask permission. He just kind of did what he was going to do. He managed to pull it off, right? He stayed in that vision, right? Star Wars is a punk rock movie because it was like, what is this thing? And he was like, trust me, it's going to be great. And he just had, he was laser focused Yeah on making this movie great. And the whole time, I guarantee you, is like, this movie sucks. Well, yeah, I mean, screwed. the well-documented, like, we thought George was going to the hospital. You know, it's the anxiety attacks behind the scene. I remember, I remember hearing that as a kid and a teenager who had nervousness and who had yeah. sort of, you know, I've had anxiety and just thinking like, wow, this guy just got to the next day. Like, and, and yeah. that sort of being inspiring. And, and my, my mom, you know, let me watch all these behind-the-scenes docs and, 
even things, I think I mentioned this on the show, I used to watch like the behind the scenes of Wizard of Oz and learn all about like golden age of Hollywood and like all the uppers and downers that everybody was taking and just how nuts it was. And me realizing like how many broken people were sort of creating these myths and these things that I thought were so amazing. And so George being so human of like, just this, this, you know, this nerd, you know, from USC, you know, being like, oh, I'm having a panic attack, but still yeah. pushing forward. Yeah. I think what I, what I take the most from George, and it's funny because what I love about Star Wars in a weird way is kind of not what a lot of Star Wars fans really love about Star Wars. What I love about it is like its simplicity in its storytelling. Like I'm not a canon junkie. I don't care. It's not for me. Like I don't read the books. Like I said, I, I watch any visual mediums. Like I watched Rebels. I watched Clone Wars. I watch all the movies. I love all the movies. Even the ones that I don't think are good. I still love them. I still like, I love the Rise of Skywalker. I, I wasn't for me, but I still love it because it's Star Wars and it's a part of that, part of that story. And I will always go back and revisit it. Maybe when there's a tiny Alex they'll be their favorite movie and we'll see, maybe I'll find a new love for it. But there's a simplicity to Star Wars, right? It's very simple. It's just characters, desire to do good, to be the best versions of themselves, to stand on the hill looking at the twin sons. There's some drama, there's, there's some snark, there's some really not some, I mean, it's all beautiful world building. I mean, the mm. world building is everything in Star Wars. Like everything, all the, all the chemistry is right in Star Wars. From the music to the sound effects to, you know, any number, the casting, the acting, the screenwriting. And, and for me, not so much. I mean this, nothing but respect. I think the prequels lost a lot of what I loved about the original trilogy is missing. For me in the prequels, which is that kind of like quippy, fast, sort of like Kasdan-esque yeah. writing that I think is really prevalent in the sequel trilogy in a really great way and not as much in the prequels. And the prequels are amazing in their own right, right? Like you got to give the man due for reinventing the way movies are made, digital technology, and story-wise, if you strip them down to their nuts and bolts, they're super interesting, fascinating stories and very cool. Like I can find something I love in any Star Wars movie, even Attack of the Clones, which for me, I jokingly on our show, just rip it to shreds. Even I, like, you know, minus Dexter Jester's Diner, which I just can't for the life of me think why nobody went, this is fucking weird. This is like, <laughs> this is like a step. <laughs> like nobody was like, we know you like the 50s. We all saw American Feedy this is a step too far, man. This is like, it was too, for me, I was just like, I couldn't, even in high school, I was like, wait, what? Why are they in a Mel's diner in the middle of Coruscant? Like, Walking into a friendly, yeah. he's like, he's just, yeah. like, he's just... I was like, <laughs> like, am I the only one? Am I the only one? And like, you know, Ken Knapsack loves it. So many of my friends are like, that scene's great. You're crazy. And I'm just like, nah, bro. That's where I draw a hard line. That's it. That's, that's the sword I die on. But all of the things I love about Star Wars are those very George-esque things. But even like 
it's not just George. There's like a warmth. There's a nostalgia. There's like a Spielbergian quality to those early 80s movies where my chemistry was just right. Right. I was born in 1986. So really, I'm, a, I'm really a, a 90s kid. I'm not an 80s kid. But I feel this nostalgic pull to the 80s like no other. And it wasn't even when I was a kid. Like, I don't, I don't think about 1996 and go, oh, those were the best of times. I think about 1982. And I go, those are the best of times. I don't know why. It's just, I do. Maybe it was my dad. Maybe had a great connection with my folks. Or maybe it was that book my Uncle Mike gave me. And those were all 80s movies in there. Because that's when the book was published. But for me, Star Wars was always simple. It was very easy to wrap my head around. There's nothing complicated about it. To me, when I was watching it, I understood every character's motivation. I understood what was happening. And I was into it. And I think that when Star Wars is really firing on all cylinders, Mandalorian hits this a lot for me. Like Mandalorian, I think is great. I don't like it as much as the sequel trilogy movies, but also they're not the same in scope. So right. why are we even, you're comparing, you know, tomatoes and apples. They're not the same thing. So like, it's unfair to say like, well, I like the movies better. It's like, yeah, cause they're not the same thing. They're different. Um, but there's this thing about Star Wars when it's like just clicking. You know it. You feel it, man. You feel it when Star Wars is like, oh, yeah, that's Star Wars. We talked about it with Murs, right? Like when the little alien in Force Awakens pokes his head up, he's like, Utuna. That's fucking Star Wars. That's Star Wars to me. There's like yeah. little things that just kind of you go, that's it. When I saw Force Awakens the first time and BB-8 like rolled up into frame and went like er, 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 and like looked around. And that really wide angle shot, I was like, whoa, holy shit. This is Star Wars. Like I knew it instantly. I felt it. And there were a couple, gut. like, I think there was a couple processes that all of our brains had to go through that night in 2015 of sort of yep. that, that like reacquaint. I mean, Chewie, we're home is beautiful because it is a meta moment in the greatest sense of the phrase meta moment. And, yeah. But that entire movie, that entire first act, a, I think it's one of the best first acts I've, I've probably ever seen in terms of uh, character introduction and pace and just like like if you you can watch the Ray introduction just on its own as a silent short film and just be like I know everything about this woman like I just I know everything. Oh, I mean, it's just immaculate. My and, only my only criticism of the Force Awakens is that I loved the Ray on Jakku stuff so much that I wanted a scene with her and BB-8 inside the Walker. I wanted like yeah. that, like, don't, I wanted that Yoda in the hut moment with Luke where like BB-8's bumping around and like touching all her stuff. I get why it's not there. That movie is like, oh, like yeah. the pacing on that movie is just like getting slapped in the face by J.J. Abrams. Bam, bam, bam. It's perfect. The pacing in Force Awakens is, it's tremendous. So like, I can say I want that scene. I guarantee you, if I watched it in the cut, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's unnecessary. Totally, totally. And, yeah, exactly. And, and you always think that with a Star Wars deleted scene. Like, I'm a huge mark for the uh, caretaker party deleted scene from The Last Jedi. Where, oh, I agree, but that should have been in the movie. Yeah, I... Should have been in the movie. I fucking love that scene. And I've heard Ryan say, like, I throw things off, and I'm like, I trust you. I love He's probably you. right. He's it probably right. It, it threw stuff off in his chemistry, and he's exactly. the director. Exactly. But for me, I'm like, oh, that scene is so good. But yeah, I remember, you know, back to Force Awakens, just that 
talking about sort of like what constitutes Star Wars, that pacing, like for me, it was Finn, Poe in the TIE fighter, you know, good to meet you, you know, good to meet you too, Poe. Like just that entire sort of, he names him. There's so much character happening, but we are moving, you know, and John Williams is moving us at, you know, a million miles a minute and we're just flying. And then it was, you know, by the time they soar off in the Falcon, you take that that moment to breathe and you're like, oh shit, I haven't even seen Han yet. You're like, yeah. Oh, we're on a ride now. Yeah. Like this is, it's just, it's a, it's science. Like it's really It's kind of wild how good that movie is that you're like, oh yeah, I haven't seen Han yet. Yep. It and was, then when Han arrives, you're like, oh, shit, Han's in this. Yes. And then like, the inverse of that, the inverse, which I love, which I talked about, you know, people that listen to the show, you want to go back. Uh, if you haven't listened to my conversation with Arzu Amin, who's a wonderful writer, uh, check out our conversation where I touch on what I'm about to say here. Last Jedi is sort of the inverse, where by mm-hmm. the time you get to the end of the, the throne room fight, which feels like a third act climax, I remember having this moment in the theater where I was like, holy shit, it's been 20 minutes since I've seen Mark Hamill. Like, what else can they throw at me? And yeah. the ability of these movies to just be so well executed that every piece of them just feels so right. And again, people have their opinions on the sequels and we're not saying that it's like, what we're saying is, is gospel, but what we're saying is sort of like, there's just those ingredients that just feel nothing right. that any star Wars fan says about any movie should ever be taken as gospel. No, I don't care. I'd, I'd tell this right to star Wars explains face and he would laugh. I'd be like, bro, it ain't gospel. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. Other like, Alex. Oh, that guy, the other Alex. No, <laughs> yeah, no, that guy's Alex. great. I love Alex <laughs> David. He's a great guy. No, love him. Really awesome, dude. Really. Awesome. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite BSR things is when he was lucky. He was such a nice enough guy to let us do a video for his channel. Oh, where we, where we explained Star Wars and everyone was like, who the fuck are these guys? They hated it. I haven't looked like, at the I... comments on that, but I should. Oh, they Just... hated it. He was, I was like, you want to do another one? He's like, eh. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I'm like, we're good. I get Point taken. We did like, our bit. <laughs> yeah, we got to do our bit. No worries. No worries. No worries. Um, yeah. No, man. Like I can go through every movie and be like especially like with with the special editions of the original trilogy man i, I every every movie i i think the additional scene, i think the java scene is like blasphemy in the new hope special yeah. edition uh empire strikes back it's tough for me to find something that i think is not good that it's would the be, best balanced edits i think in the it's hard. If only thing I could maybe criticize is like changing Palpatine to look like prequel Palpatine. Mm. That would be, I'd be like, nah, he's fine. He was fine the other way with his weird bulgy eye. I get it. But you know, that's again, whatever. Return of the Jedi, Jedi rocks without question. Pack yeah. that right out. Phantom <laughs> uh, Menace is like a pacing thing. You know, I don't know that I would have opened on trade disputes if I were, if I was, you know, if I was in the car seat, like, and the only reason I'm doing this is, is like, I can see how I can see how I can do this at home. Like oh, it yeah. doesn't, you're not getting offended by it. Nobody's, we I mean it with nothing thing. but love in my heart. Right. Like Dexter Jester's Dimer, cut it out of there. You know, uh, I'm actually, and this is a, this is actually a hot take. I don't really like the opening space battle in Revenge of the Sith. I, I'm, I don't think I would go as far as I don't really like, but I do think 
wholeheartedly that it is a dragging pace, I think, at the beginning. Like, I, I think that it might be sort of a, uh, like, all right, you know, a couple cool maneuvers and then we get onto the ship would have been nice. I don't need buzz droids and, and that I type think, of stuff. And, 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 and that's all I'm saying, right? It's like, it's still great. I love it. I'll watch right. it over and over again. The music's right. incredible. Like, there's a lot, it's visually stunning, but it's just, for me, it doesn't click my chemistry. But I can go through every single one of these movies and I can do the exact opposite. Luke and the Twin Sons, as a kid, to this day, still makes me cry, but as a kid, probably the most awe-inspiring moment ever. It gifted me with my love of cinema. I will be forever grateful to every single hardworking creative that brought that scene into existence. The Twin Sons is a masterpiece, beyond masterpiece. They should print up the fucking Twin Sons and put it in the Louvre in like a thousand years and be like, that right there is, fo- thank- you're welcome. That's folklore now. Mm-hmm. Like it absolutely should be on there. In uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, 18 years old, just moved to Los Angeles, got them on DVD for the first time. And I remember hearing Yoda's luminous beings, are we speech and crying at 18 and going, these movies are so much more profound than I give them credit for. Uh, Return of the Jedi. I actually, I love the Ewoks. I think the Ewoks are rad. I love oh, Max Rebo. Super pro like, Ewoks. So, I, love, I love the kookiness of Return of the Jedi. I love it. Phantom Menace. Come on, that mall fight. Pod racing is pretty cool. I'm for it. Mall and Qui-Gon and Obi, pretty sweet. Uh, in Attack of the Clones, I actually like all the, the, the third act of that movie. I think it's rad. Like on Geonosis, all that stuff, super cool. Except for when Padme falls out of the thing and she goes, ow. I'm like, are you okay? And she goes, I'm fine. And always to me, I'm like, nah, it's a weird cut. But <laughs> like, that's my least favorite movie. I can still find stuff I love about it. Revenge of the Sith, come on. Obi and Anakin battling, you're breaking my heart. All that stuff, great acting, yeah. amazing stuff. I can go through it movie by movie it's just there's things i love there's things i don't and i mean it's a relationship you know it's something that i've been saying a lot recently like like my love of star wars is like a human relationship where (laughs) there 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 are days where i'm like oh star wars a little salty today yeah for sure i'm gonna gonna go to the kitchen and just grab my food and get out like you know you're you're definitely star wars is looking at me with disdain i'm looking at star wars with disdain for sure But, but there is you know, like, like when I was, you know, I was living with my mom and I knew like, oh, she just got home. She's going to yell at me about something like that's how, if you know, you Star Wars discourse and, you know, you can make those connections, but when it's good, it's good. Like when the love is strong, it's strong, which again, I said earlier, people up top, you know, they're listening. They're like, when are they going to talk about Last Jedi? We've already touched on it a little bit. We'll touch on it a little bit more here. Uh, when I invited Alex on, I, I mentioned George, I mentioned Ryan Johnson because, and again, we could, in theory, do a very structured, like, we're going to talk about George and Irvin and Richard and Ron Howard, and we're not slighting anybody by just focusing on George and Ryan and a little bit of JJ. We gave JJ some massive love just now, um, and he deserves all the credit in the world for being an incredible... JJ's that guy to me that he looks at a thing, he steps back, and he says, that's why we love it right there, and this is how we can, this is how we can light that fire, whereas Ryan was the guy that said, cool, we know why we love it. Now, what do we have to face about it? What do we need to ask about it? What if I turned it this way? And, you know, George has only ever said, to my knowledge, about Last Jedi. He watched it and he said it was a beautifully made film. Some people read into that as, I don't want to comment on story. Some people read into that as, that's actually the highest compliment George can give because he's George and he's all about how, the, how you make it. You know, he went to the set of Rogue One and said, why are you building so much? 
you know, he was like, we should be pushing, you know, that's why, that's why he probably loves walking around the volume so goddamn much because he's like, this is what I dreamed. And, you know, they call mm-hmm. the volume George's garage and all that wonderful stuff that we saw in that documentary. So with last Jedi, as you know, you talked about Alex Rubens and sort of that, that 24 hour experience of like, Oh man, it's brilliant. I had a very similar thing where, you know, the passing of Luke and everything on crate, I, I was you know crying in the theater and it was the next day that I, you know, instantly you start talking to your friends. And I was like, I think that we just witnessed something like it, it felt very singular in special. And, and there are a few of those that I can pinpoint in my life. And last Jedi, I think is probably the most thoughtful. So talk a little bit about that, about Ryan, you know, cause now it's, you know, all of these influences on you, the DK book and George, you're a kid and a teenager. Now, Ryan, you know, he's, he's a, a contemporary, you know, you guys are both, you know, film fans and everything. He's making this movie now, um, you know, with Brick and Looper and, uh, and Brothers Bloom behind him. And he's challenging this thing. How does that make you feel uh, getting into director and the Jedi, you know, a year later with the DVD? How did yeah. that all affect your process? I think that the most impressive, awe-inspiring and cool thing about Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi is he made the exact movie he wanted to make. That's very hard to do. That's very Especially hard on that do. size. That's it's next to impossible on that size. There are very and and a director of his pedigree being able to work within the confines of Lucasfilm and Disney and make the exact movie he want to make. You know, a lot of people it's a it's absolutely a testament to Kathleen Kennedy's talents that yes, have they had some problems with turning directors? Yes, that's a it's a problem. It's not a it's not a great thing, but it's complicated and I'm not going to pretend to understand it. So I'll just say, ooh, probably not good. But the truth of the matter is is that The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker, those three movies are absolutely the products of the director and the people that they directed and produced to create these amazing pieces of art. And when I think about The Last Jedi, that's what I always find so impactful about it. It's not perfect. I love it. I love that movie. It's my visually my favorite Star Wars movie. No question the man knows how to move a camera with the best of them. There are some shots in there where I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's just a great top to bottom director's vision. And if that's all I say about it, that's like high praise, man. Is that the, the best thing I could say about The Last Jedi is that it's the exact movie that Ryan wanted to make. And I think that's a good thing. I think that when directors are left to their own devices and the powers that be, let them, let the creatives be creative, magic happens. It's when I guarantee you, I know we, we know it happened. They made the last Jedi. They all thought this is a slam fucking dunk. They all thought it. There's not, I, all this nonsense you hear about like, oh, there was infighting or oh, they didn't like it or this. I guarantee you, yeah. all bullshit. Yeah. Because it's too much money and Kathleen Kennedy's too smart and too powerful yeah. to just be like, oh, you guys think this is going to be bad? Man, we're going to roll with it. And Absolutely. she's also never been as vocal in an exuberant sort of, like, because K- Kathleen's been in this business so long 
And, you know, and I, I, I am guilty and people listen to the show. I'm guilty of still getting into a Twitter scrap every now and then. I, I don't have, I haven't found my, my, <laughs> my peace in the same way. You gotta Alex find, find some Zen, ahead. dude. You gotta, gotta find some Zen. I gotta find some Zen, man. And the other day, <laughs> somebody, somebody hit me with a, a dig at her resume and I had some time. So I was like, whoa, whoa what? They, they said, they said, and I quote that, uh, because I, everybody's using the, the, uh, john walker from falcon and the winter soldier i don't know if you've if you've watched yet um you know the picture of him like looking all cocky and shit and they're putting like things that dude bros would say you know like as as the meme of john walker because he's like this guy who thinks he's captain america and stuff so i wrote as a joke uh john favreau and dave filoni should be the heads of lucasfilm and replace kathy kennedy and everybody thought it was hilarious some people were laughing at, you know because that's a take you hear and one guy was like well dave's more qualified and so i was like all right let me let me just drop some science on you my friend yeah and i just i just took a bunch of screenshots of her imdb and just posted them in order and you are stunned at the impact that she has had and this is not an this is not an, an overstatement the impact that she has had on human and human culture with what this she has with with because america's greatest export is our is our art in a lot of ways aside from you know war and blue jeans baby uh, yeah and blue jeans. art and blue jeans Fuck that's yeah. all we got man uh <laughs> and and what she's done so with all that said a legacy fit for you know a god of this industry you don't see her sort of get like giddy anymore very kind it seems but she's not out there you know like doing the Kevin Feige sort of, I want to wear my baseball cap and sort of glad hand and, and wave to the crowd. Like she's passed it. But when they were on that press tour for TLJ, she was saying things like Ryan's the next Spielberg. I haven't had this much fun working with a guy in forever. I love this guy. This is our boy. Like I, she was like standing behind them, giving them, you know, that hype. And that is because the vision was so clear. He, they were like, we trust this guy implicitly. He has a clear vision. We think the script's incredible. I heard from nobody that I've mentioned on the show or anyone that's ever been on BSR, but I remember hearing from one of Steve's friends that works at Disney that like read The Last Jedi script and said it was the best reading Star Wars script they'd ever read. Wow. They just, it was like next to no notes. I was like, this is amazing. And, and again, that, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a problem, but I don't think it is a problem. I think I go, shit, that must have been incredible. So they just all were really tuned in and plugged in and the chemistry on the set must have just been incredible. And it feels like that. And, and that's why I love the director and the Jedi because it feels that way. I feel like I'm plugged into somebody's orbit and I think that's the best thing. Like, I think that, to, first of all, to say that Kathleen Kennedy is not qualified to run Lucasfilm, let alone any movie studio is absolutely just asinine. Yeah. She's a genius. She's a true visionary. It, it just, I don't even have time for anyone that thinks that Dave, Dave Filoni is great and he's super talented, but just stop, like stop. Like they're not, it's not the it's same. not even the same skill set. It's not even the same skill set. Yeah, they're not, not like, even, yeah. and that's like a full fundamental misunderstanding of how this business works. Yeah, right. It's and even John Favreau will be like, I don't want to do that. I guarantee you, he'd be like, I have no interest in having Kathleen Kennedy's job. Kathleen Kennedy runs a corporation. She runs a business. 
she's a creative producer, but I promise you she is not in, she, she reads the script. She provides feedback, but I promise you, it's not like, well, what does Kathy think? I guarantee it. She wouldn't want that. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't want it. She would be like, no, no, no. And what that's the why these guys think? wouldn't want it either. Cause it's like, it's not a boots on the ground job. And I think that a lot of it is the fact that we've now lived with a decade plus of Fahey being in our culture. Mm-hmm. He has defined the role without people realizing how much of an exception that he is. He's an exception and he does a thing that's not really a thing. Yeah. Right. He invented He's a showrunner for movies. Yes. It's not a thing. Yeah. He's a showrunner. That's all it is. And, and for those listening home that don't know what I mean by showrunner, showrunner is basically like the head creative lead on a television show. Feige showruns the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Which is why it's been such a good transition for him to yep. television. You know, whereas Kathy rightfully goes and gets John and says, oh, you got four scripts about Boba? Well, let's just scratch off the name Boba. All right, here, go, you're good to go. You know, and, and that ability, you know, is so powerful. And you see that in Director of the Jedi with how empowering she is of Ryan, you know, and, and how empowering she is in terms of, you know, and, and it seemed like for a little bit there, like she was going to do the whole, like, I'm going to get a bunch of young people. And like, it's worked to varying degrees. But now with, you know, Taika coming up, like it sort of feels like she is embracing um, that sort of mentality again. And, and Taika is another one. I think, you know, Ryan Johnson on Last Jedi, Taika on Ragnarok and maybe James Gunn are, are probably the people that have achieved what we're talking about in terms of I worked within the system and I just got my way across the board. Taika's, you know? Taika for sure is probably uh, the best example I can think of it in terms of really breaking the vision. Like James Gunn, James Gunn, yes, like he made a James Gunn movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he did it with the most James Gunny IP. What's impressive about right. Taika is he took this pre-existing IP and he managed to like just make it do a 180 and you're like, oh, it's this thing? And now right. everybody's like, who's this fucking guy? Exactly. The brilliant, that's the, Taika is, of all of the people that we've talked about, he has the most impact on me as a creative, more so than Ryan. I love Ryan. Ryan's an, Ryan's an amazing director very talented writer, great storyteller, but Taika, Taika just like pushes the Alex buttons in a way that not a lot of, there, there are Edgar Wright, Taika, Jordan Peele. Those are like the three new school guys that like really, and Edgar Wright isn't even really new school. He's now been doing this for almost 20 years, but like those, that crew of directors, I just look at and I go, man, so talented jj is a genius jj is and in many ways is like the modern spielberg right ryan could be that yeah. i believe that of all where you become people. a studio in and of yourself where yeah. jj abrams is as much a brand now as he is a person you know in a, in a lot of for ways. sure and, and what you're saying with with taika makes a lot of sense you know just knowing your tastes like you have this spielbergian quality uh to your to your phantom in your life that that love of that nostalgic feel but you also you know i mentioned up earlier like you have that wes anderson love and that very artful eye tyke is sort of in the middle where it's like yep it's left of center but it's it can still be bombastic and, and large and operatic 100 percent. i think that's he's a, gonna be perfect with what he's about to do on star wars and that's a great that's a great way to 
you actually kind of just explained to me in a, probably a better way than I could explain <laughs> my own love of Taika, which is true. It's like, it comes from this really kind of lo-fi indie place and right. kind of is incepted into this big, huge universe. And I'm just like, like, that's how I look at, if I were to ever, if I were to ever direct or work on Star Wars, that's what I would want to do is incept my own, my own point of view into that universe while being very honest and truthful, right? To, to the world that I'm entering, but also like I want, and this is why I love Ryan is bring yourself to it. Give me that thing. Like I, I'm the first one, like, I'm not one of these people's like, give me a Quentin Tarantino Star Wars movie. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. I think that's too, that's too nuts. Even Wes Anderson, that's too nuts. But like Taika walks this line that's really pretty impressive. And I'm the most excited of all Star Wars content. I'm for the Taika movie. More than Obi-Wan, more than the Acolyte, more than Book of Boba Fett, more than anything. It is 100% the Taika movie is that absolutely will be the thing. I'm, I can't wait to learn more about it. It's up there for me, man. Like it just, I think about uh, chapter eight of Mandalorian, you know, where you get that, that Jason Sudeikis, Adam Pally sort of what feels like two guys just riffing about, it's like Taika, you know, knew that that was a joke, like, Oh, stormtroopers always miss. And then he was like, how long can I stretch this while writing that line perfectly? Like you were saying, like straddling that tone still it being star wars and i guess you know as we sort of start to wind down here i i want to ask you as a writer director as somebody that's looking forward to taika as somebody that enjoys obviously a wide variety of things i mean we you mentioned jordan peele in there he's one of those guys for me as well where i loved get out and then when i saw us i was just like i'm we're witnessing something here like we're witnessing Mm -hmm. like the like the bricks of a legacy i think he has like a five picture deal at universal like, mm-hmm. can I just pre-buy those those next three? Like, I'm there. Like, I'm just uh, implicit totally. trust in this man. And so with, you know, those varying tastes and, and creators, how far are you willing as a Star Wars fan, not willing, I guess, because you're not doing it, you're viewing it, uh, although hopefully you will do it. How far do you think it can be stretched? Like, how far until, you know, is it trapping? Are the trappings important to you? Like, if the Taika movie you know, is all, you know, if it's like hateful eight style, you know, one location or if it's like, I think all that stuff's fine. Like I think any, like anything deviations and format, like no wipe transitions, no, none of that. Like that's fine. Dude. No crawl. Like you're okay with just bending, breaking, doing all that. Bend and break all that stuff. I think probably philosophically you shouldn't break the, the, the pillars of the philosophy of star Wars. Right. So you probably shouldn't like, that's why I never really get off on like gray Jedi or like no. what I think. And that's not a dig for folks that like that. Like I totally get it. I understand there's like, there's fun. There's kind of cool. There's something cool about anti-hero. And like, for me, I think that star Wars kind of has to live on that. Like those, those fundamental pillars of good and evil, right? Like these are good guys. These are bad guys. We're going to just, let's just live like that. When they get redeemed, cool. They get redeemed. But like for me too, like even the redemption, most of the redemptions 
in Star Wars, I actually think are less impactful than some folks think are. Like, I always jokingly say, like, yeah, Vader didn't kill his son. That's like the lowest common, like <laughs> the lowest hanging fruit ever. Like, cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Like a golf clap. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't let, let exactly. your son get murdered in front of you. Meanwhile, you chopped up a bunch of kids. First thing you did is Darth Vader. You blew up like four planets in this. Like, what's going on here? So, like, I think that if you take like a step back and you just like, what are the things you can't do? It's like, don't mess with the philosophy of the force too much. Really like stick to this, like the, the underdog, the underdogs fighting are the good guys, right? Like they're breaking these systems, these oppressive systems that are trying to have order and control over the diverse nature of this beautiful galaxy. Like those things to me are like implicit and important and you shouldn't mess with them. But like, do you need to have star wipes? Absolutely not. Do you need to have the crawl? Absolutely not. Do you need to have John Williams music? It would help, but you know, bless John Williams. We're probably never going to hear another John Williams star Wars score again. And that's okay. Right? Like we have to be comfortable with like, what happens when like Taika comes in and he brings in a ton of like, you know, epic garage electronic rock like he did in Ragnarok. I don't think he that, but what happens? What's that sound like, right? Like Mandalorian is bizarre compared to a normal yeah. Star Wars score. And it sounds great. So like for me, I'm I'm like the worst person to ask that because I'm open to like anything as long as it's coming from an organic place of creativity and like there's a vision behind it. I'm open to to try anything. You know, I just, I wouldn't, I just don't think Star Wars should be cynical or ugly or like this. Like, I think it's, it, it works better in this childlike space. If that makes sense. No, I agree. I think that there's, there's been a call um, for Star Wars horror. There's been a call for Star Wars, you know, like a, like a gritty, you know, sort of give me the Zack Snyder but, but, seven but, but, but samurai. Like, what does like, that even mean? Like, what is like, uh, the funny thing about right. it is like, I would ask you like, what do you mean by gritty? Yeah. Like not, not you. I would just say, like, what do you mean by the, gritty? The theoretical. Yeah. The conversation. I think like, uh, they're, they're sadder. The Nolanization, I think a little bit of, of these properties is sort of what I think people think they mean. Like I want yes. it to take itself seriously, but then I would argue, doesn't it already? Like I, you know, levity and, and taking itself seriously can exist together. Hope and taking itself seriously can exist together. Also, like, I don't know that I want to be in a Star Wars movie where like the characters are just suffering the yeah. whole time. Like the Nolan, Nolan, they're beautiful. The Dark Knight movies, they're suffering all of them, except for maybe Alfred the whole time. And then even like, then that third one breaks, breaks all Alfred. Yeah. Even then. Next thing you know, he's off in Venice having a fucking flat white. And he's like, he's like hey, Bruce, I'm not even going to talk to you, bro. He's like, literally, like, we had some good times, but. Hey, we had some good time being vigilantes. Stay but over there. If you need me, dude, I'm going to be having some fucking pasta pomodoro living in this little <laughs> tiny apartment. Like, nah, man, I'm good, dude. I'm on vacation. Got my little white hat. Like, nah, man. Yeah. I, I think that I'm for that. I again, like if Christopher Nolan's like, I'm directing a Star Wars movie, you know, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I'd be super stoked. But like right. when all is said and done, like if it's coming from a true and authentic place and just not breaking the fundamental tone of it, like it can still be gritty. Like this to me is just such a, 
like what does that even mean grittier like yeah is it you want the, you want the colors desaturated you want the lightsabers to be not neon and cool like it's just i don't know that folks when they say stuff like that i think what they really just mean is i want it to be like hardcore like adult i want like an adult thing like because i'm an adult and sometimes yeah. i feel weird loving kids movies and i'm like these are adult movies. You're I just think looking at them from the wrong lens. I think that's a lot of it too. I mean, like I'm a huge Star Wars Rebels guy and stuff, and I've had some people resist watching it. And then, you know, you get them halfway through that first season, and they're like, "Well, I kind of love this," you know. Or, or people have had that with Clone Wars. People, Avatar: The Last Airbender is a big thing. It's got that baloney connection of people being like, "Holy shit!" Like, what you're able to do with this. And Taika has that great quote in the first gallery of, you know, it doesn't take itself 100 percent seriously, but it does believe in itself. And that sort of is, you know, the approach yep. you should take. Like, could there be a horror thing? Yeah. I mean, if it still has that sort of that spirit that is driving it forward, like I, I long for the possibility that maybe one day, you know, Kathy will call Guillermo del Toro up and be like, Hey, remember that thing you talked about? Like, I would love to see them sort of push it and twist it that way. But it's just about that heart. You know, it's just yeah, about man. that hard at the end of as the day. As long as it has that, I mean, you hit the Taika quote, hits the nail on the head perfectly, right? Like, it doesn't take itself seriously, but it does. Is that what it was? Like, yeah, but it but believes it in itself? doesn't take itself 100% seriously, but it does believe in itself. I mean, I think that's a perfect quote. I mean, that's like a BSR philosophy. It's my philosophy in everything that I do. And to hear that said back is pretty beautiful. So, yeah. man, I appreciate you having me on the show, dude. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like we, you've, you made the time, like it, it, you super busy as hell. Um, <laughs> you know, one, one of these days we'll have to chat and do, uh, talks about some other things, talk about chef. We didn't even get into chef and hey, buddy, Favreau. I can and talk that, about El Jefe. I can talk about chef. I can talk about Cubanos all day. <laughs> talk about John Logozamo dancing with some meat. I think uh, it was, uh, I think Nikki watched chef for the first time, like maybe a year ago. And he was like, I just watched chef. And I was like, not even like that was that was recent i remember yeah and he was like holy shit that movie blew my mind i was like uh yeah dude it's like required viewing for any creative yeah to watch I, chef i remember saying i was like this is i was like that movie is is come to jesus it's therapeutic it's just like yeah super necessary so we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do more on that but Alex, man, you got to tell everybody where they can find BSR, where they can watch your film, Kick. Uh, I know that's been doing festivals, but if that's available to stream, everything that's going on that you can talk about, uh, oh. let us know. All right. Uh, well, if you want to check out some of the stuff I'm working on, you can go to www.alexdoesstuff.com. Uh, you can check out my PUBG commercials I directed. You can watch the trailer for Kick. Uh, you can, uh, I'm doing, an, I'm writing and I'm directing some stuff for uh, the Elder Scrolls Online right now. So those are going to start to kind of trickle out as I work on those. And I, I can say officially out loud that I actually, I wrote the story mode for the new Need for Speed video game that's coming Very out nice. in 2022. So it got pushed back a year just because we're uh, COVID makes things complicated and we want to make the best game ever. But I wrote the story mode for that. So if you're into racing games and you want to, a fun little fun little story just know that i had a hand in that so i had a lot i had a lot of fun working on that and uh other stuff i can't talk about but 
I tell you what, when I can talk about it, we'll chat. Sound there good? There you go. There you go, awesome, man. Brother. So he'll, Alex will be back on again. Uh, head over to uh, the Black Series Rebels all over social media. Uh, I believe all your handles are BLK Series Rebels, right? Yep, BLK Series Rebels. You can find me at Alex underscore Backus on Twitter or at Alex Backus on Instagram. But the BSR stuff is cool, but just know all we're going to do is tell you when an episode's up. So if you're looking no, for absolutely. fun, <laughs> not going to You can go happen. and uh, get a... Get yourself a leftover, hey. uh, yourself a leftover water gun, and you stuff got a couple there. of those. I throw those yeah. in every order. Still, <laughs> everybody gets water guns. <laughs> You're like, oh, there we go. Take a uh, so yeah, man. So then, and as for me, uh, you can follow me personally at ad underscore strider on Twitter, uh, Instagram as well. This show and our sister show, which is also on the feed, hosted by the incomparable Tori Fox, who is an absolute genius. Her show, uh, the Mandatorian Creed, is on here as well, where she's breaking down Disney Star Wars weekends for her first season. You can find all that stuff here. Again, go back in the archive of both this show and BSR. You'll hear all the Star Wars people you love on, on both of those. And yeah, and so and follow. some that you might not. <laughs> we, we did the show for a long time. <laughs> There's some people, people, you know, every now and then we didn't know we didn't know we're sorry we but we're not we we didn't know but we interviewed people that we don't like anymore we're sorry <laughs> look every now and then uh you just gotta you just gotta move on you know you just just gotta look in the rear view mirror and say it happened it's, it's not on uh, youtube anymore it's been pulled that's the yeah. best we could do so, there we go <laughs> i appreciate you brother thank you so much for having me on i hope that wasn't too long-winded but no i had a no, blast it was beautiful absolutely beautiful so for me for alex for bsr punch it chewy 